Let's all go in our Bibles to Acts this morning. If you would turn with me to the book of Acts. It is a privilege to sing. It is a privilege to worship the Lord. And the Bible says to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And this year as we're seeking to build families of faith in the house of God, around the church, the Bible, and keeping our faith strong, I'd like to turn our attention this morning to a passage in Acts in chapter 13. Acts and chapter 13. Don't you like it when something successful happened in the Bible? Okay. I mean, we read about Saul, right? Do we think of success or failure? Success, Saul. Saul, yes. Saul as the, the king. Saul the king. Who do you think of? Success or failure? Failure. When we think of David... Do we think of success or failure? Success. Man after God's own heart. When we think of Moses, do we think of a man of success or failure? When we think of Hannah and how she prayed for her son Samuel to be born, do we think of success or failure? When we think of Abraham and his wife Sarah having the faith to believe God for a child, do we think of success or failure? There's success throughout the Bible. When we think of the Apostle Paul, do we think of a man who destroyed the church and was a failure? Or do we think of a man who brought the power of God and God used mightily? Do we think of success? What do we think of? Success. Life is not marked by simply our mistakes, but by the grace of God. And my friend, in this passage, in Acts chapter 13, some things will help us this morning. Let's begin in verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified uh, the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and held part with the Jews and part with the apostles. And there was an assault made of the Gentiles and also the Jews and their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. The Bible says, And they were aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the region that lieth about. And there they preached the gospel. I tell you, my friends, throughout the entire passage, you see over and over again, they preached the gospel. Jump down to chapter 14 in the last verse. Verse 28. And there they abode long time with the disciples. 
The Apostle Paul stayed the course. And the gospel ministry is established by us staying the course. We will all be tempted from time to time to jump ship, to try a new ship. I've got news for you. Just like the cow thinks if they get on the other side of the fence, everything's going to be better over there. In the same way as a Christian, we can be tempted to get off course and forget our mission, just like the cow's mission, as the cow really has one purpose, to do two things, okay? In our culture today, to provide meat for the table and milk, okay? Meat and milk. That has the purpose, and it needs to eat in order to do that. It needs to stay where it's put. But if it's going to accomplish its purpose, it must, must stay on course. God has given us a field to plow. God has given us a place to serve. God has given us a, a, a mission that we must accomplish and we must stay on course. You say the Apostle Paul seemed to get shifted around a little bit. Yes, he dealt with something called persecution, but everywhere he went, churches were established. And that's the power of the presence of Jesus Christ. The purpose and the plan of the church. We might stay on course with the plan God has given us. Jesus Christ came for one purpose. For the Son of Man came to seek and to what? Save that which was, you remember the last word? Lost. I'm thankful there's a Savior that came to die for me. If you're thankful that Jesus came on the cross to die for you, would you say amen? amen. I know we're in the Northeast. It's hard to say amen in the services, right? And you go to a lot of churches, right? It's kind of, oh, should we say amen? It's okay around here, okay? In our church, we like to say amen. Okay, and uh, we like to say amen because we believe the word of God and amen is yes, we agree and we want it to be that way. Stay on course. If we will influence others for Christ this year, we must stay the course. We have a, a gospel mission we're doing this month. What is it? Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School. We have a, a mission. Now, why do we do Vacation Bible School? Well, we certainly do not do it uh, for our own benefit. It is for the benefit of the children. Okay? It is for the benefit of those children hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've had the opportunity to minister to, I believe, almost, uh, it's over 100 children or more that have visited through all the vacation Bible schools in the last five years here. And look, we have an opportunity to touch, to impact, to influence their lives with the gospel. And God has a plan, and he wants his church to go forward. But you know what? It's not just for the children, amen? The gospel's for all of us. Aren't you thankful somebody brought you the gospel? You remember when you got saved? Man, I'm thankful somebody brought me the gospel. Stay on course. Look at this verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 21. For, Paul said, for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Look, Everybody else does that. Let's be different. Last week, as we saw, we have a purpose, a plan God has given us. We have one mission. We must stay on that mission. The Lord wants us to see souls saved. God wants us to see the church go forward. And we must live in the will of God, and then we must live for the kingdom of God. It says, for all seek their own. You know, it is not natural for our body to continue to do things that are difficult. Have you figured that out yet? Right? It's not natural for us to continue to do things that are difficult, but the Christ follower has to not seek their own. Not seek the things which are our own. But he says, for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. It's natural to seek our own things. 
Philippians 2.4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I challenge you in regards to thinking of the things of others. Would you pray for our missions program right here at our church, and would you consider supporting the missionaries here? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We could take a cup of coffee money, say one cup of coffee, $5 every week if you go buy it at, the, at Dunkin' Donuts or someplace like that. If you took that coffee money and you put it together, and a few of us did that, we could, put it, we could continue to help supporting these missionaries, but with just coffee money. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I'm thankful there's some people around the world right now seeking to spread the gospel to others. Aren't you thankful for them? Philippians 2.4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, we would say of the, of the politicians today, we kind of know where they stand about this verse most of the time, right? But it ought to be said of us who love Jesus Christ, we're not like them. We're not looking just for our own things. Look, when you think about this last week and what a tragedy it was, as the people, migrants came across the border and 53 of them perished in a tractor trailer this week. Tragic. If you didn't see the story, you ought to read it. Can you imagine walking up to a tractor trailer and 48 of them had already passed away by the time they arrived to check on the trailer? 48 of them had perished. You say, that is horrific. That is horrific, yes. And Americans are saddened by the news. But in a far greater way, men and women are dying on their way to hell way more than 48 a day without the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have a gospel to get to them. People in our town die from overdoses almost every week. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And as a church, we are seeking to win folks to Jesus Christ. Matthew 26, in verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The Lord wants us to pick up our cross. You say, what is that cross? The Lord has a plan. He has a purpose. And it's getting in the saddle with Jesus Christ. Stay the course. We have a course to run and it's time to reconsider our mission and realign ourselves with God's plan. And this morning, as we look into this passage, let's first consider the evangelistic mission. The evangelistic mission. Notice, if you would, even up before our text in verse 24. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. There was an evangelistic mission. I don't know if you figured out around here we got an evangelistic mission. Y'all kind of figured that out? There is an evangelistic plan. We want to see people get saved. Everything we do, fall festival, the goal is to see people come, hear about the Christ, hear about the gospel, and make a connection with folks so that they might be saved. The, the goal with our door-to-door -door outreach is to connect with people that they might be saved. The goal with our vacation Bible school is that souls might be saved. The goal with every church service is that souls might be saved. The goal with offering financial peace is that souls might be saved. We have seen visitors come as a result of that program. So consider the evangelistic mission. The mission is that we might give the gospel to others. And he said, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles. In this entire passage, we see one thing keeps happening. Yes, we could focus on the negative part because a lot of trouble happened, right? The Jews, the religious people, stirred up the devout and honorable women. My friend, 
it does us no good to complain about the laws being passed in this land if we're not going to stand out against them. If we're not, and you say, how do we stand out against them? Not by being obnoxious, but by going to where the souls are and speaking to them about the gospel. The best way for good things to prosper and for truth to prevail is for us to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. I mean, that's what people need. Consider the evangelistic mission. God says, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles. You think the people around here need the gospel? I mean, your co-workers, my neighbors, my friends, the people that I associate with at the stores and everywhere I go, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ and the majority of them have not yet been saved. So consider the evangelistic mission. We have a mission. Instead of doing the main thing, we can get caught up doing other things. Isn't it easy to get distracted? We get caught up doing other things. Biblical methods are still proven methods. The method of familiarity. Familiarity is a good thing. Familiarity. When you think about the evangelistic mission, how are we going to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ? There is the method of familiarity. We ought to be familiar in our town. By the way, what should we be familiar for? We should be familiar by being a presence, okay? When people see us walking down the street, they should know who we are and they should know where we're going. Not because we went around tooting our own horn, but because it's obvious that we care about our town. Because it's obvious we care about our neighbors, okay? Thinking about others. I had one of my neighbors come to me this week. Could you please pour the gas into my dad's tractor, they said. And you know, uh, I had a very busy 12-hour day I was putting in that day, but you know what? Yes, they needed that help, right? So went over there and got the gas poured in there because what? He was not physically able to put the gas into his own tractor. But you know what? I heard the sound of his tractor start up about 20 minutes later, and the man was happy as could be, all right? He was happy as could be. Be familiar. Be there to serve, be there to help. Familiarity builds traction and it gets an audience. Be known in the community as a commodity. A commodity. You know, when we walk into certain stores, we expect to see certain things. If we go to CVS, you expect to get some medicine, right? If you go there, you expect to have them to have cough syrup on the shelf, right? If that's what you need. Uh, if you go to CVS, you expect them to have Mucinex or something, okay? That you expect them to have certain types of things. If you go to Aldi's, you expect them to have a good price on the milk. And all God's people said, amen, all right? I mean, if you go to Apollo, we used to think that was a good place to get cheap gas. Think again. Um, some of y'all didn't catch that yet. You don't go there for gas, Okay. But it used to be the cheapest place, 10, 15 cents cheaper right across the border. Now they're the highest. I don't understand. But look, familiarity builds traction. And so the apostles, everywhere they went, people knew the same things were going to happen. They had a presence in the town and in the community. Also, there's a method of fervency. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. A method of fervency. You see through the entire passage, the disciples, man, the people stood up against them, but they were filled with joy in the Holy Ghost. They let nothing stop them. 
When something's of God, why are we going to let somebody stop it? Okay? If it's the work of God, don't let anybody stop you. And that includes yourself, all right? Romans and chapter 12 and verse 11. Look at what the scripture says. The Bible says, not, what does he say? In business. What's the next word? In spirit, serving the Lord. Now, friends, this helps all of us, okay? How many of y'all are with me, okay? Your back does not want to cooperate with you every day, okay? Your body does not want to cooperate with you today. That's just part of life, right? Um, but he says, not slothful in business. Thank the Lord he didn't say it's just that you feel so physically strong, because we don't always. He says, fervent where? In spirit. Serving who? The Lord. The Lord. The method of fervency. It ought to be known. Man, we got time for the things that are important, like the gospel. Somebody wants to talk about Jesus Christ? We got time. Maybe you've had somebody try to sell you solar. I had a guy come try to sell me solar this week, okay? He told me he was going to get my power bill down by 20%. I think it was a scam. I'm not sure yet, okay? Why is somebody being paid to come to my door to tell me how to lower my power bill? Okay, I hadn't figured that one out yet, but I think I might try it. I'm not sure, okay? He might have got me convinced. He said I'm going to get a $20 credit every single month. I'd like to see that really happen. Um, that would be great, especially considering the, the power bill. They, they forgot to read our power meter here at the church for six months. And then they slapped us with a nice power bill um, because they had forgot to read it. And I called them and I said, what happened, friends? And they said, the lady was very nice. She said, well, we just didn't read it. Of course, you know the excuse was COVID, right? We didn't read it for six months, and so we misestimated it. I was like, okay, $300 is a little high for a power bill, okay, uh, for the church building, okay? <laughs> a little bit on the high side. And, uh, and uh, when I called them, I thought, you know, maybe they just misread it. No, 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 they didn't misread it. They had forgot to read it. And, uh, you know, sometimes in the middle of all these things, we can get distracted, right? But there is a method of fervency. The gospel still needs to go forward. And you know what? They had been a little slothful in their business, which is why they hadn't been out and been reading the, the meters, okay? But I noticed they started showing up every month now. Um, the method of fervency. You know, if it's important to us, we'll get out and do it. We'll get out and do it. We ought to witness and preach with clarity, with compassion, in such a way that it brings about conversion. If you've been saved, it's because somebody clearly presented the gospel to you probably more than once. They probably asked you some piercing questions that you needed to hear, just like Miss Denise Wells, which, by the way, her husband was the one that wrote this book. And Mr. Wells would not have been saved, probably, out of his religion, growing up in Catholicism and in these traditions, trusting in infant baptism, trusting in the sacraments, which are not found in the Bible. And he would not have found deliverance from false doctrine had he not heard the gospel and had a woman not gone to his wife when she visited and said, are you born again? She got saved. The next day, the woman takes her husband and goes and visits Brother Randy Wells and led him to Christ. They had a little child just been born. And that young family 
who I've had the privilege now, they're in their 60s, 70s, around there. He was a military man for many years. He wrote this book this year, last year. But Brother Randy, I had the privilege to do a little work around their house when I was out in college. They helped pay for one of my school bills one year because I worked on there. I built a cabinet for them, 13-foot-long cabinet. They wanted this big old piece of, big old cabinet. And uh, they just, they're a very sweet couple. And I thank God for them. But you know what? This, this, this sweet couple, they were saved and they're in church because somebody asked them a question. This book was written and your pastor had some work to do for somebody in church that helped pay for my school bill. Why? Because these people got saved. You understand? You could lead somebody to Christ who could later help some college student so they could be in the ministry and come help some small town. Okay? You understand? There's a relationship that the gospel brings. Consider the method of fervency. The way in which that woman approached Miss Denise to ask her was with fervency. We ought not to be awkward about it, but my friend, we ought to care enough about it that we're going to do it. There are many souls sitting among us today that would not have been saved had we not continued with fervency. We must fervently bear the precious seed of the gospel. There are still many more that need to be saved. The method of fervency. Next, we see in this evangelistic mission, there is a method of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. I want God to be pleased. You want God to be pleased with your life? It's impossible to do that without faith. And I will say that it's impossible to see people get saved here at Calvary Baptist Church or anywhere else for that matter without faith. By the way, it's impossible to stay in any church without faith. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, because you've got to have the faith to believe that God's going to uh, lift you up. Because we are going to get down at some point. You've got to have the faith to believe. You say, well, I want to have a friend that's my age. I want to have a friend that's this or that. My friend, maybe God's going to lead you to go lead that person to Christ. That'll be your friend, okay? Um, and the method of faith, not ashamed of the gospel. We cannot, uh, without faith, we cannot please God. In the absence of faith, souls are not saved. You see, a church where souls have not been saved in many years, there is a lack of faith. A lack of faith. The method of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There is also a method of faithfulness. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible tells us, be not weary. Galatians 6, 9, in well-doing. Is it a good thing to go to church? All God's people said, yes, amen. Is it a good thing to bring your Bible to church? And all God's people said, amen. It's a good thing, okay? And when we think about the Word of God, and we think about, is it a good thing to be a witness? And all God's people said, that was very weak. You're going to have to do it again until you get it nice and loud. Is it a good thing for God's people to be a witness? And all God's people said, that was good. Y'all woke up. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. How? If we faint not. You know why a lot of times we do not see fruit? Because we just don't stay long enough at the task. If you, if you want to see something succeed, you can't just bounce around like a ping pong ball. There's got to be a little bit of stability. How does the military succeed? By continually focusing on the same goals and the same mission. If they're going to win a battle, they must be strategic 
and you say they might lose over here in a little way. They might do this mission and might miss the target, yes, but they must continue if they're going to accomplish and win. In the same way as a Christian, if we're going to accomplish and win the loss to Christ, we must have a method of faithfulness. Look, don't get discouraged if you go invite somebody to, to Christ or you invite somebody to VBS and they're busy. I have a neighbor I've been working on to invite to VBS for five years. They are so friendly and kind to me. And we were walking around last Sunday afternoon and happened to go by their home and they happened to be outside in the street. And we happened to, we were just, we were not too far, almost a mile from the church, you know, just walking around. We walk around and talk with our neighbors. And this gentleman has promised he's going to bring his grandchild one year. And you know what? We're not going to give up, okay? It's going to happen one year. But we went and we were just talking and just having a casual conversation. And he was so kind to our girls. Gave them flags and just so kind to them. And we finished our conversation and we just said, hey, by the way, I hope you can come to Vacation Bible School. And he said, I'm going to be out of town that, those few days for one of his children. He said, it's on the 17th, I'm going to be out of town those days. Now, my friends, it's been almost every year that we've done it. They've been out of town or something else has been going on, a party or something. You don't give up all because you kept trying. Guess what we're going to do next year? Continue to invite, okay? You think I'm going to go back and be friendly and kind? Absolutely. Talk to them again. Yes, the child still needs the gospel, even if the schedule didn't work this year, okay? So we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to have some faithfulness, to have some little grit about you. Don't get discouraged. You say, I invited them, but they didn't want to come. That's okay. That happens about 90% of the invitations I give out. Somebody's busy or something else is out, up. Look, but there is the 10% that's received well, and there is a percentage that will come. The method of faithfulness. Consider the evangelistic mission. The apostles, wherever they went, they continued preaching the gospel, and they went from city to city preaching the gospel. So don't give up when you're at the gas station this week, seeking to strike up a conversation with that person and handing them a tract, handing them an invitation. Hey, I'd just like to give you this invitation. We're doing a VBS at our church. Don't be awkward about it. Just give them an invitation. Hey, I'd like to have you come. Hey, we're doing this. We just want to serve our community. And look, people care when you want to serve them. Consider the evangelistic mission. And they need the gospel, my friend, because those kids are going to need hope, especially with what's going on in the schools. They're going to need hope. Consider also the eternal message. There is an evangelistic mission, and there is also an eternal message we must give. Don't be weary in well-doing, because in due season you'll reap as you faint not. Often we give up before God brings the victory. Don't give up. Often we give up right before we win. My friend, God wants you to not be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary. You feel like quitting today? Don't quit. Press on. Look in verse 49 of chapter 13 of Acts. Consider the eternal message. And the word of the Lord. My friend, it's not the word of the apostles. It's not the word of a particular pastor. It's not the word of a particular deacon. My friend, it is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the gospel is preached, I rejoice, okay? If the gospel is preached, you ought to rejoice. The word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Look in verse 52. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Look in, verse, in chapter 14, verse, uh, verse 1. 
it says, and it came to, they came to Iconium and went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a, look at this, a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, what happened? They believed. That's the whole reason we're seeking to proclaim the gospel is that people might believe. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The eternal message, the greatest message you and I will ever declare is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, this week we had an election here, right? And I hope you took time to go out and vote on Tuesday. It, it popped up really quick, and we don't seem to have very much uh, notifications around here about when these things happen. But we had a primary to pick a governor. Might help with a few things. Might not be as corrupt as the current. But God knows. My friend, I'll tell you this. We have an eternal message. And greater than just trying to get people to vote this way or that way, we have an eternal message to proclaim. And no matter who's in office, we have an eternal message to proclaim. No matter who's our governor, we have an eternal message to proclaim. No matter what kind of evil and wickedness is being promoted by our leaders, we have an eternal message to proclaim. And in a greater way than proclaiming a message, some other message, some other mission, we must proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the eternal message. Look, politics don't save people. Jesus does. Uh, living in a different part of the country doesn't change people's heart. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest message you and I will ever declare is the gospel message. So let me ask you this. Do your friends, have they heard it? Has the person that you care about the most, whoever that may be in your life, have they heard a clear presentation of the gospel from you? Do they know that you are born again, and do they know how to get born again? It is the greatest message, because everywhere the disciples went, they were filled with joy. Why? Because they still had an eternal message to proclaim. And why? Because they had the whole power of the Holy Spirit of God, the eternal message. I love what this message did. This message brought about change. Aren't you thankful the gospel brings change? Man, I don't know about you. I don't want to continue my old ways. I want to move forward. We preach for changed lives. Don't give up until Christ be formed in them. Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, he said, My little children, of whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. The Apostle Paul had a message that he knew would bring about change in the lives of those who heard it. Forgive my child. She still needs to be converted. <laughs> my friend, the Lord has a way of changing our heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creature. But we are content sometimes with where we're at. Don't beat yourself up, but let God beat you up, okay? Say, Lord, you know, I need to come back to your woodshed because I've been the things of God too far. Too far I've wandered from them. Lord, bring me back. Lord, I want to put the gospel first. The message brought change. We preach for changed lives. For changed lives. Look, it's one thing, and you'll see this a lot. Sometimes a church may preach, we may preach just for people to get converted. And a church may rejoice and say, you know what? There were 50 souls saved on this day. There were 20 people baptized. And a church may rejoice in these things. The greatest way we can rejoice, my friend, is who stays in the faith. 
and is strong in the faith five years from then, ten years from then, that is by the grace of God. Often we can make a focus on numbers instead of on the power and presence of God. Because when God's doing the work, he will multiply it. If you've been saved, and especially if you've been saved here in the last five years, make a priority to lead souls to Christ, period, okay? Make a priority. I challenge you, do it now. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the harder it will get. The longer you say, but I, it's just so hard. The longer you wait to proclaim the gospel boldly, the harder it will be. Because you know what? More years go by and we say, you know what? I just am not called to be a witness. Somebody else, Lord, raise up somebody else. And you know what? There's too many reserves that are inactive reserves in the Lord's army. Okay? We have, a, a, we have the Lord's army full of people who prayed prayers, but they're inactive reserves. Okay? Inactive reserves. Uh, not actively on the mission of leading souls to Christ. Inactive reserves. I've got a mission. I don't know about you, but I feel as a parent I've got a mission. I got three people right now in our home that need to get saved. Okay? One of them is pretty close. But that's a mission. And if nothing else happens in the next five years, they need the gospel. Period. Period. They need to know that Jesus saves and they need to know how to be saved. And if nothing else happens in my life, if I make no other accomplishment than to teach my children the faith, I have succeeded. And you have succeeded. Don't make your goal to get the next promotion at the job or whatever it is. Make your goal to proclaim the gospel to your own family. The message brought about change. You know, it's amazing when a child gets saved, they get a conscience. My children are starting to get an activated conscience, you know? It's a great thing. We still got a little bit of things going on, okay? Um, and we will. They're human. But they have a conscience. You know, when they hear the voice of swearing from another child, they hear another child take the name of God in vain, they come home to mommy and daddy and say, so-and-so was swearing, mommy and daddy. They were saying this word, or one of them will say the word. It's amazing how quickly a child can pick up how to swear just from hearing another child say it. Vow says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Using the word God in a sentence, when we're not speaking of him directly, using it to describe something, it's swearing. Oh my, and using the name of God, that is taking his name in vain. And, and yet it is picked up so easily. And uh, several times in the last few months, my children have picked it up. And I say, hey kids, we're not going to say that in our house. We're not going to take God's name in vain. And we're not going to take the other euphemism forms either. Because they started saying those too. It's amazing. Amazing how quickly they can pick up on those little phrases. But my friends, I don't want them to say those phrases. Why? Because I don't want others to pick up on those phrases, right? And I want them to think of God in a holy way. In the same way, if you've been saved, God wants you to live differently. And he wants Christ to be formed in you. The message brought change. The eternal message. It's eternal. You put your faith in Christ, how long are you going to live? For what? Forever. I don't know about you, but I want to be becoming more like Jesus Christ. Otherwise, I'm going to have a rude awakening when I get to heaven. Okay? If I've been living on this earth all for myself, I'm going to get to heaven and be like, Lord, I believed on your name. That's what the Bible calls about people that are saved as by fire. 
all the things that we've done for Christ, I mean, done for ourselves, burn up, a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble, saved as by fire. You've put your faith in Christ, but nothing else. I'm not going to serve you, Lord. I'm not going to let you change my life, Lord. I'm going to resist it. You say, is somebody that resists the grace of God, are they saved? God knows, okay? But I don't want to resist. I challenge you today, don't resist his grace. The message brought change. Also, the message brought something else. It brought hope. Aren't you thankful for hope? People need hope. Hope comes when the town, drug addicts, drunks, wife beaters, crooks, politicians, and yes, Pharisees, get delivered by the gospel. Let me say that again. Hope comes when the town drug addicts, drunks, wife beaters, crooks, politicians, and Pharisees get delivered by the gospel. Religious people don't improve the community. The gospel alone brings hope. It gives us power. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but as, uh, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It gives us power to preach the gospel to our children. It gives us power and strength to see them converted. It gives us power to see our grandchildren converted. It gives us power to seek to see our neighbors. You say, they just don't want to hear. You don't know they might. My friend, they might have just had a need come up in their life. They might be ready today. Today is the day of salvation. The message brought hope. The message became repeated. I know that's not proper grammar, but I was trying to alliterate. The message became repeated. Look, news anchors have the same job every day. Can you imagine being a news anchor? Good morning. Got to have a smile on your face. And you're going to give the news. And it's usually something depressing, right? And they got to say that with a smile on their face every single day. That must be a unique career to be in. Every day. You got to open your mouth. I think they dub it a little bit, okay? Some of that stuff's probably, but you know what? They do change their outfits, so uh, I think, right? I don't know. I don't watch these, okay? But I just know of them, okay? Um, I think that, I think they're just, a, it's a programming site, okay? But um, the news people, every day, every day, saying similar things, and yet people will click it on, and they want to watch whoever talk about whatever, right? The same person talking about similar things. And don't you notice, they kind of like to repeat their messages. Last time I heard, they seem to repeat their messages a lot, don't they? I was up at Warren Tire the other day, and it seems like they keep saying the same things over and over again. You're only there for 30 minutes, and you're like, this is wasting my time. Of course, they had it on Spectrum News, kind of a liberal station, okay? But, uh, I mean, good grief, right? It's over and over again, the same exact nonsense, okay? But you know what? They repeat it. Why? Because it's their job. Today we're going to have the morning news, right? Every day. You know what the order is. They say it the exact same way, don't they? They do everything. Don't they do the program the exact same way? Y'all help me. Y'all like, no, pastor, pastor said news wasn't good, so we pretend like we don't watch it, Okay. Come on, you're not, you're not bad for watching it, okay? But, <laughs> but don't they say it the same way? Help me out. Do they, don't they say it the same way every single day? You know what's coming next. They got the weather. They got the news. They got a little bit about politics. They got a little bit about the world news. I mean, they got it all in order, don't they? And it's the same order every day. But yet they do it because it's their job. 
And often they do it, they do it with a frown on their face. I think they do it with a smile, right? It might be a fake smile. We've got a message far greater than those news people. And if they will do it for the almighty dollar, we ought to do it for the cause of Jesus Christ. It became repeated. The gospel needs to be re repeated. And friend, we have a job, an eternal message. You say, they've already heard it before, probably. No. And look, all because they go to church don't assume that they're saved. Jesus came with one purpose, and he put us here for that same purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. You're saved to serve. God makes no mistakes. You were enlisted in the army of the Lord the moment you got saved. So it's not time to resign, my friend. It's time to re-enlist. You might say, I've, I've got my time. I've done my time. I'm, I'm growing. I need some time to grow. And, uh, you know, it's just a stage for me. My friend, we sometimes got some stages that last a little too long, okay? Lord, help me. I need to move forward. Lord, I'm going to step back in. I'm going to re-enlist. We have a problem. The Lord's army has way too many soldiers, as I mentioned earlier, on inactive duty. Unprepared, uninvolved, and it's time to step up to bat. Look, it's your turn. It's your turn. It's time to step up to bat. Somebody needs to be saved this week. Somebody needs the gospel this week. We have a mission, and we need to proclaim that mission. Consider the evangelistic mission. Consider the eternal message. Let's stay on course this week. Let's believe God to see things accomplished. Two things on earth deserve our love, support, and devotion, the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, as I recalled, is the head of the church. He died for it. The church and the gospel deserve our devotion. And in John chapter 3, we read about Nicodemus and how he was challenged by Jesus to be born again. If you've not yet been born again, you need to put your faith in Christ and ask him to save your soul. If you have been born again, my friend, you need to take that message in John chapter 3 and proclaim it everywhere we go. Let's proclaim it this week. Would you grab some Vacation Bible School flyers on your way out? Maybe you just want to help by bringing some snacks. Maybe you want to help by serving with VBS. My friend, we're going to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to rest until all this town hears the good news that Jesus saves. Let's believe God to help us accomplish that mission. Let's bow for prayer. Let's stand together. Let's stand together this morning. We've heard the message. We've seen how the apostles... Man, they went through persecution, and you might have gone through a time in your life, with your head bowed and eyes closed right here, you might have gone through a time in your life, you dealt with discouragement, and maybe you're the only one that knows about it. Friends, you're not alone. All of us deal with discouragement, and anybody God uses will deal with discouragement. So, get your head in the game, believe God to work, ask God to use you. Lord, would you use me? Whatever area it is in your life, would you stay the course? Would you consider we have an evangelistic mission? The gospel needs to be proclaimed. We have an eternal message. Let's get it to somebody this week. Let's proclaim that truth. And if you've not yet received Christ, today is the day of salvation. Would you call upon his name today? Don't leave the room. Don't leave the building without calling upon the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With here, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, let's take a moment to pray. Let's ask God to help us with these things. Father, we've heard the word. We've seen how the apostles went everywhere with boldness. And Lord, we just be honest. We all struggle with sometimes just getting up and doing what we know you've told us to do. Father, I pray you'd help us this week to stay the course. 
And then it might be said of us that we had some fervency, we had some grit, we had some, we had some faithfulness because we had faith. And Lord, that our children and grandchildren might be impacted, that our neighbors and friends might be impacted by the gospel because we decided, as for me in our house, we're going to serve the Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have that kind of a mission, have that kind of a message. And Lord, that our children might know the most important thing to daddy and mommy is the gospel. The most important thing to grandma and grandpa is the gospel. That, Lord, our neighbors might know the most important thing to us is the gospel. Help us with this. We need your help. The devil does not want us to move forward. But, Lord, you do. And there is a battle for our souls right now. Help us to sense and follow your voice. And I pray you'd help us to respond to you this morning. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you take a moment right where you're at to seek the Lord? Would you take a moment, you say, Pastor, I, I want to go home. I want to go home to my food. I want to go home to this or that. Would you take just a moment to seek the Lord right now? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And as the piano begins to play, would you take a moment and come forward and would you pray? And would you ask the Lord to help you and me that we might stay the course? You say, Pastor Dan, I... I I, I'm doing a good job. Maybe you are, but would you pray for me? Would you pray for the church? Would you pray for the others in the room? Would you come forward? Would you pray that we might together seek to stay the course and fulfill the mission that God's given us?